0: What's shaking? Welcome back to all in today. We're going to go all in. We're going to talk about some awesome things. And I want you to share this out with at least three people today, because this is going to be an incredible episode. It's from a, a good gentleman. You know, I'll start and call him that right off the bat. I just met him a little bit ago, but amazing personality. An Australian wakeboarder champion, not once, but three times. And he launches coaching business in his grandmother's spare bedroom. Does that resonate with anybody that's listening out there? How you first get started with things. And Daniel Tolson. Welcome, brother.
1: Mate, great to be here. Really appreciate it. I was uh, actually down in Orlando uh, a couple of years ago, probably 15 years ago, maybe more, 20 years ago, <laughs>
0: training for wakeboarding. Beautiful place in the world. That's awesome, man. So I don't know much about it. It is. Yeah. And it's beautiful here today. This is, uh, we're actually doing a remote studio podcast today, which is our, our first ever, which is pretty awesome. So thanks for being our guest today. Uh, I'm curious, wakeboarding, you know, I know just a little bit about the sport. But what's the deal with it? Why did you dive into it? Why is it so much fun?
1: It was in the blood. So, my, uh, my dad, he was a champion barefoot water skier. And on the weekends, we'd go down to our local river, which was the Hawkesbury River. And it's only about 110 kilometers long, this river. And uh, we would just ride down the river all weekend and ride home uh, in the wow. afternoons. And so it was always in the blood and I, um, I just picked up a photo the other day and I was on a set of water skis and I was probably around about five years of age. So by the time I was an Australian champion, it was uh, definitely
0: 21 years of solid riding. Wow, that's, that's amazing, man. How old are you now? I don't look a day over <laughs> <41. laughs> 51? forty-one, <laughs> fifty-one. I'm looking at you. I'm like twenty-one years, bro. That's a long time, man. To have a to to be in a sport, and I'm like you. You, you must have started when you were like fifteen or something. Yeah, I am. Um, well, we started water skiing.
1: Um, we were always on the water, so it, it was what yeah. my dad did. Um, it's what my cousins did, uh, and it just evolved. So after school, I was really lucky because we had a cable ski park. There's a beautiful big one there in Orlando called Orlando Water Sports Complex, and we had one uh, near one of our local football stadiums. So, I live between a cable ski park and uh, the best river in Australia. So, we were right in the Mecca
0: of that. So, it was just normal for us to be on the water. And uh, beautiful, beautiful sport. For sure. I've never dove into that a little bit. You know, I've been water skiing a few times. I've been jet skiing a few times, which is a lot of fun. I've been… snowboarding once, you know, if you're talking about those types of sports. I mean, that, that's an interesting topic, right? Because they're, they're similar, but it's different surfaces. Well, I don't and like jet
1: skiers. I've got to tell you that I don't like them. I was about 16. and <laughs> <laughs>
0: You
1: know, if, cool? <laughs> if, if you own a jet ski or if you've ever been on a jet ski, you know that as soon as you take your finger off the throttle, you lose control yeah. of the jet ski. You can't steer and there's no brakes. And with a wakeboarding boat, you've got this huge wake behind it. So, what the jet skis would love to do, they'd love to hit the wake and launch off it. And their jet skis could go, you know, maybe five to 10 foot in the air. But uh, they're traveling at 50, 60 mile an hour when they do it. So, they'd get right behind me and my brother when we're riding. And one guy just trailed me one day and I'd turn around and I said, can I swear on this one? But you can imagine what I said. I told him to... Somewhere off, and uh, he didn't like it, and he kept trailing me. and I stuck my finger up at him, and then I just uh, hopped off the water and I went up to the uh, up on the sand. And he drove his jet ski right up onto the under the sand. I was about sixteen; he must have been about thirty. I was about seventy kilos; he must have been about one hundred and twenty. And he just punched me right in the head. <laughs> oh my god! <gosh, laughs> so wow. "You tell me to <laughs> go over there," and so uh, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of jet skis after that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Big black eye. Wow. Is it, so is it like lesson? a different breed of people? <laughs> it's a totally different breed. Uh, in, in where I live, if there was any deaths on the water- It was always caused by jet skiers, and they are a different breed because these jet skis, uh, these sea know, some of these things can do 70 and 80 miles on the water, but as soon as you take your finger off the throttle, there is no control. So uh, kids were getting killed, adults were getting killed, and they actually banned them on the river. They were that dangerous. So I've had my fun on them, but uh, also uh, seen people – be seriously harmed uh, a friend of mine he was riding the jet ski with his girlfriend on it she fell off the back and the jet of water just went uh, when she fell off the back of the jet ski went right up inside of cavities and just tore it to pieces so yeah i uh, I,
0: I stay clear of them these days that's interesting you know where my mind's going with this conversation is, is pretty intriguing at least to me it is because you're not in my head yet so i'll let you in my head <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> there's a Yeah, I'm almost comparing this because, uh, you know, we'll get into your coaching thing in just a bit. And this is probably a good segue into it, right? Into your grandmother's spare bedroom. And I I started to think about like the the, the, all the coaches that you see that exist right now, because I don't know if I'm not on Facebook much. Instagram is my main platform. And I see all of these, you know, advertisements pop up for some sort of coaching all the time. Yeah, and I, I tap on these just to look to see what's going on, and almost every single one of them are pictured in front of like a Lambo, right, or or like you know, or maybe secondarily a Ferrari. And I, I don't talk about this much unless it comes up because I have an Aston Martin. You know, it's a, it's a 2019 Vantage. And when you're talking like the difference between the wakeboarders and the jet skiers, uh, I'm starting to compare this to like the quote unquote coaches that exists in this world right now that are are there and they're trying to present this, this image, you know, and I, I get it. You, you want to have a, you want to have a, a credibility piece that exists. Like I, at the conference I just spoke at yesterday, I, when I was keynoting, my very first slide has this nice tag on a banner uh, below it that says like, it's all the logos of the media appearances that I've had, right? Because I go on global media all the time. I mean, I'm talking big global, Bloomberg, Newsmax, Cheddar, News Nation, even Ticker News in Australia. They're calling me all the time, you know, which is Reuters now, you know, I do all these appearances and it's like, hey, when I start my talks, like we should establish right away, you know, that in order for you to listen to what I'm saying and actually see me as somebody of an authority or a thought leader, we need to first establish some credibility, right? Are you with me on that? Say I, you know, and they're all like, aye. I'm like, aye. that's the reason. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, that's the reason why it's on there, you know, but going back to the exotic cars and all that, it's like my Aston, I don't really talk about it. I did when I first got it just because I was super excited about it. You know, I did one photo shoot with it three years ago because I've had it for three years and I, I used those photos maybe twice in posts, that's it. Because I didn't get it to be like, hey, look at me. You know, and, and just like the difference between like, a, I almost see like the mindset difference between a jet skier, like they're out there, they're trying to blaze through things and say kind of like, hey, look at me, I'm doing the cool stuff that's out there. Just like the coaches. And this is where I want to segue into this, because I believe that you're probably a pretty badass coach. Yeah. And you're not one of these guys that's out there with a a Lambo. I mean, if you have a Lambo, it's okay. They're actually still kind of cool cars, you know, but (laughs) I think, I think you're tracking with me as far as like the difference in the mindset, you know, in bringing value and then just getting things like that, because it's fun and it's something that's in you like that, like a generational wakeboarder, you know, versus like, I'm going to hop on a jet ski and I'm just going to piss people off and, you know, cause some danger on the water. Just like the coaches, the bad coaches can cause danger in the coaching business and seriously sink some people's lives, brother, you know, just because they're giving them bad advice because all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to be a coach someday and they haven't done this stuff themselves but they're going to make it look like they have because they're in front of a Lambo. Thanks for my rant. You got me going on something here this morning, but
1: <laughs> well, let me be, let me be uh, transparent. I don't even own a car. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> so oh, if you're going to see me, uh, have a photo in, in front of everything. It's going to be a yellow taxi. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and that's authenticity. Uh, you know, uh, Rick, many, <laughs> I <love your> humor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, many, many years ago, I, um, I sold my car. It was 2008, sold my car, went overseas, never bought one because wow. I know my numbers. And when you buy any car, you're going to lose uh, around 23% of its value the first day you own it. So if you yeah, to spend $100,000 on a car and drive it out of the showroom, bang, $23,000 lost. And then it's going to depreciate at 17% uh, every year after that. So when I actually started my coaching business, uh, I could only afford to catch the bus. That was it. I could afford to catch the bus because all of my money had to go in educating myself. I had to reeducate myself. I had to retool like any good builder would. They've got to retool. Yeah. And then I caught the bus and I had to make sacrifices. And I did that for many years. And then when I went back to Australia, I drove my mum's car. And I didn't tell my clients that I didn't own a car. I just was honest with them. And I said, I drive my mum's car. Because this is what I believe in. Until my business can uh, sustain itself, I can't try to fool anybody. And I'm not going to fool anybody because that's not what my business is about. So today, it's um, 2022, I catch a taxi. uh, I can afford a car. But the reason why I don't have a car anymore is because if I drive a car, I lose time. If I have to drive into Taipei, I'm going to lose an hour of time there and back. Uh, That hour in each direction, enables me to spend quality time with my family. And I can get a driver to drive me in <laughs> at a tenth of what I could earn if I was on the telephone doing deals. So yeah, if you see a photo of me in a car, it's going to be a yellow taxi. That's it.
0: <laughs> I love that, man. And the, you know I, I appreciate that perspective because uh, I was just having this conversation with someone else the other day. I don't remember who was and wasn't on the show, but it was around where you're devoting your time. You know, and it's such a mindset shift to say, well, I could hire somebody to do these things, you know, and it's always been like mowing my own lawn, right? I I live beautiful suburb in Chicago, great, great home, you know, pool, backyard, all of this. And even before that, it was like when I did not live in an apartment or a condo, and I actually had a lawn because there's many houses that I've had before this one. I never wanted to cut the grass. <laughs> it was just something that, that I looked at, you know, part of it, maybe a little PTSD from when I was a kid, because I was like the de facto lawnmower kid, you know, because I was the oldest and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, my dad would throw me like five bucks. My parents were pretty poor. You know, he would throw me five bucks to just show the value of hard work. That, that was it. But I, I hated doing it. You know, even for that, you know, and I learned real quick, it's like, it, why would you want to do jobs that you absolutely hate? And then it came down to later on in life. I'm like the same thing. I'm like, well, I don't want to do this, but what I do it maybe, but it's something that I put in place because this, this lawnmower, you know, I can have somebody come out just like you're saying, and I don't have to be there. I don't have to wait at, at my house. I can be somewhere making money. I can be somewhere pouring into somebody's life. I can be somewhere just fulfilling my mission, my purpose on this planet and shifting that over takes a, a struggle i've seen too and if we tie this back to the dudes that are taking pictures in front of the lambos you know most of the times at least when they're starting because you, you're like hey i'm driving around my mom's car you know and uh, i i love your voice by the way I, I know i'm talking a lot you got me going on some rants today you know i'm in, I'm in a good <laughs> mood man <laughs> i'm in a really good mood today but <laughs> when i first started i drove uh a Saturn, right? They don't exist anymore. Hey, you know, they, they, a, they
1: had. The, I'm sorry to interrupt. Just going to tell you, they had one of the please. best guarantees on any car that's ever been sold. They did. Yeah, it's, you it, got it. They are renowned around the world. We even know about it in Australia. The guarantee from Saturn Car Company—that's <laughs> amazing. And uh, we don't even sell them. <laughs>
0: It was like a people's car. Exactly. It was made to be like for for low income, you know, reliable. And we would just want to make sure that you're taken care of. You're absolutely right. You know, the the customer service aspect of that company was freaking amazing. They were owned by GM too. It was a a complete shift away from typical car interactions and sales process. And there wasn't even any haggling. You know, it was like Mm -hmm. the first thing where there wasn't any haggling. It's like the price in the car is the price of the car. It's as simple as that. It's amazing. But when I first started, you know, cause now I've got, like I said, an Aston Martin, I also have a BMW x 7 mi have had, I've had Mercedes, the S class, I've had Audi, you know, A7s. I mean, just amazing vehicles over the years. But when I started, I was driving a Saturn dude, you know, and, and trying to get the thing going, but not like one of these coaches or anybody that's starting a business and like, literally, you know, this is what's happening. I'm going to rent a car. Or even better, like, I'm going to walk up to some dude's car in a parking lot and snap a selfie of myself and then post it on Instagram being like, making bank today. It's <laughs> Authenticity is the key to running a successful business. That's the very first thing that, to where you are presenting who you are, nothing more and nothing less. Many years ago, I was uh, traveling around the world teaching
1: uh, Brian Tracy's Eat That Frog. And uh, he, he wrote a great book, and that was a great program. He and he used, yeah. yeah, he's a top guy. He used to train his materials. And the first thing that I realized was that the average uh, high net worth individual had a burn rate of about 30 days, meaning that if they were earning in excess of $250,000 a year, if they didn't get paid within 30 days, they'd be broke. So for me, wow understanding these ultra high net worth individuals and also coaching and consulting with them, I could see the financial mistakes they were making when they were actually buying or leasing these vehicles. And so as part of being a coach, it's also learning about life and you get some really good lessons from your clients who are failing. They come to you and they say, look, these are all the things that I've done and I've failed at. So, you make a little mental checklist, don't buy this, don't buy that, don't buy that, because it leads to these financial problems. The other thing for, for me, Rick, is my clients don't drive Lamborghinis. They don't drive Ferraris. Uh, some of them drive Range Rovers, they drive Teslas. But in my community of clients, if I rocked up in a Ferrari, they would slap me in the face. They'd say, Daniel, what are you doing? We know uh, yeah. that you can't afford that. And I've got clients who are banking 100 million a year through their businesses, and they don't drive Lamborghinis. They don't wear Rolexes. And I borrowed one of my mate's uh, Omegas one day. It was the uh, James Bond one. I said, I want to wear your watch. I'm going to go on television. and I want a nice watch to wear just <laughs> so it looks good with my suit. And he gave me his Omega. And then I wore it to a business meeting. And I said to uh, the business owner, who's my cousin, and he employs about 500 people in his business, but I consult with them. And I said, hey, how do you like my new watch? And he looked at me and he smiled. he says, it's yours. And I said, don't be stupid. And he goes, good, because if it was yours, I'd slap you. (laughs) He said, (laughs) you've got to take that money and you've got to reinvest it in your business. And so, when I look at this generational wealth that some of these people are creating in these legacies, they go without these luxuries temporarily. And they don't buy these things to give them instant gratification. They say, we're past that extrinsic motivation. We're all about the intrinsic motivation. We're clear on the influence, the impact, and the income we want, and all of our energy goes into there. And we don't need something shiny to give us confidence. <laughs> so I learn all of these lessons, and um, there you go. Um, I've got a beautiful big scar on my arm when four guys tried to, uh, six guys tried to kill me. I've still got two plates and four metal pins in there. Um, I don't wear a watch. I'm happily married. I've got diamond rings, and I, I don't even wear them. <laughs> Because in in my community, the people that I uh, work with, I've got clients who own billion-dollar businesses, and they don't wear that. So, um, I look at them, and I learn lessons, and I say, well, um, you know, it's not that important. I've got confidence, and that's what I'm selling to a lot of people. I'm selling confidence. I'm selling peace of mind. And if we can do it without that, when the time's right, all of that's just a bonus,
0: that's pretty awesome man I and mean, as you were talking about watches too i had mine sitting i'm like oh i forgot to actually put it on today so i put mine on while you were talking about <laughs> it. it's just a tag hoyer i have watches that are higher than this and i've got one that's lower than this guy too this is a, a cool travel piece just because i like the way it looks it's got the silicone band you know but as a, and i want to get into the six people who tried to kill you because you you piqued my interest on that you know in a little bit because i'm sure it formed you in some way shape or form today uh, the the watches i've always done as a uh, you know I, I don't have a lot i have like seven or eight of them right now but i've got you know ones as low as you know a vermont that was like four thousand dollars all the way up to a, a Hublot uh saying blue that's pavé and black diamonds that was like wow. five thousand wow. you know it's it's freaking gorgeous right and there's also one that's really near and dear to me, and I'll, I'll tell you why is a, a Bulgari Octo Finissimo. you know, the thinnest automatic movement in the world. It's all titanium. And I got the, got it as a special edition at the fifth avenue boutique in New York. That's when I was on the jumbotron and spoken NASDAQ, you know, so all of these things that, that I picked up were like, after something had been accomplished. Uh, it, it was like a milestone thing for me. So it wasn't something to boost my confidence. It was actually more of like a celebratory thing after mm-hmm. something had been accomplished, after after money had been made, you know? So it was, it was like, awesome. I don't need to do this, but it's something I can. And it's something that solidifies me in the moment. So I can remember everything I went through to get to this win, uh, and it can be done with anything. I mean, it can be done with a bottle of scotch, which I've I've done those things with. You know, this is just something I've chosen. It can be done with a glass of champagne, <laughs> with a with a loved one. Any of these things, you know, to mark those moments in your life. But doing it ahead of time—that's where people get so caught dangerous. up, man. And all the money goes down the toilet. So dangerous. My my first yeah. mentor
1: when I was in real estate, he said to me, he said, Daniel, if you're going to buy a vehicle. It should only be valued at about 10% of your yearly income. And he said, anything over that, you're batting above your pay grade. And he said, don't go into debt trying to look wealthy. He said, it's not going to work. In this area, so uh, I'm from the western suburbs, and it's typically a blue-collar area. And these people are hard workers. You know, the area that I live in is the second wealthiest area in Sydney, but people don't look wealthy. They they're not dripping yeah. in the gold and the jewelry. So where I grew up. Um, it was a little bit frowned upon to have, you know, a fly car, 21-inch wheels. You know, you could have your subwoofers. That was all good. But, you know, big wheels and chrome wheels was another story. <laughs> and, you could hide um, those, but you can hear those, right, the subs? Yeah, yeah. You can hear those from miles away. And my boss said, look, if you're going to get a car, uh, make sure it's less than 10% of what you're earning. And I said, well, how much are you going to pay me? And he goes, I'm going to pay you $35,000 a year base salary. And I said, so how much uh, can I get a car for? He said $3,500 a dollars." And I'm a very literal person, meaning that if somebody who's uh, succeeding and they say, Daniel, this is a good strategy to follow for financial security, for career security, I'll follow it. Because I look to them and say, I've chosen you as my mentor. I'm going to accept your advice, whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not. If you say this is the right path to take, I'll do that. So, I went and bought a very modest Ford Fairlane car. It was uh, it was actually $4,000. That was the cheapest I could get. And I drove that around during my real estate career. And I would keep it clean. I'd park it out the front. My customers would say, I love how clean your car is. And that was it. But I was winning the business. I wasn't in debt because of a motor vehicle. Because my mentor said, Daniel, after you get the car, because you've got to take your customers around, then you've got to buy your own property. And I'm not going to put you into sales until you've bought your own property. And I said, why would I buy a property before I get into sales? Can't I just get into sales now make the money, buy a property? He said, no. He said, because of a thing called empathy. And he said, with no empathy, there can be no sales. Selling a house is the most stressful thing that anybody can do. Buying a house is one of the most stressful things that people can do. And if you want to succeed, you've got to be able to empathize with them. But you can't go around and say, I can walk a mile in people's shoes if I haven't done it before. So, yeah. what he did was he put me out there as a sales creator, knocked on 500 doors a week, made 500 telephone calls, did the numbers. And then, once I had my deposit, he said, I'm going to invest in your first property. So, you and I are going to do this together. We're going to get a property together. And so, we bought the property, and it was stressful it wasn't stressful just buying but it was all the sacrifices that i had to make it was all the wednesday nights that i couldn't go out on the booze with the boys it was all the friday nights that i couldn't go out chasing the girls and it was all these sacrifices and doing all the numbers that i finally had the money in the bank to purchase my first house and so i got the first house and he put me in sales then he said now i'm going to teach you how to sell and then I sold, 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 made a ton of money. And I said, what do I do now? He said, well, you need to buy uh, another property. And I said, well, are you going to do it with me? And he said, no. <laughs> he said, I've done that with you already. You need to go and leverage somebody else's money. So, I went and bought another property. Um, but it was just through good choices and especially yeah. when it came to money. Instead of uh, trying to look good, I was just trying to do the best I could in my career. And, and one thing I remember he said, Daniel – enthusiasm outsells experience 10 to 1. He said, people aren't going to look at your car and uh, sign you up uh, as a a real estate agent. (laughs) They're not going to look at that. They're going to look at you and your personality. And I, and I have a joke with my wife Rick here in Taiwan. We hear some of these cars and I don't know what they do to the exhaust, but some of these Mercedes, that sounds like an old diesel tractor going down the street. And when a guy goes down the street, he's going too fast. I say to my wife, I said, you know, you're pretty hot, wife. Um, does that car turn you on? And she just looks at me and goes, No. <laughs> So, you know, I think there's a lot of perception. And I like I I agree, if a car's important to you and you've made the money and you don't have to go in debt, then spoil yourself, get it. But uh, don't do it thinking that it's going to give you confidence. Don't think that the car's going to get people to like you because if you don't like yourself and you don't
0: have confidence within yourself, then nobody else will have it. Get the car at the right time. For sure. I I remember... I was in sixth grade and I said, what would that make me uh, 11 years old? Something like that. You know, and I was never the popular kid in school. And I remember looking around because I remember I was telling you that my parents were always poor. My dad was an insurance salesman in the ghetto. My mom stayed home and and just watched kids. She even had like a daycare in the house, like with the other people's kids too, that I didn't even know. Not my friends, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just that that's how she supplemented income in the home. And I remember looking around and, and looking at all the cool kids, you know, or, or at least the, the popular kids. and I'm like, man, he's wearing Nikes okay and then reebok pumps came out i don't know if you remember those right but i'm like oh my gosh now they're wearing reebok pumps and then i'm looking down at my feet and you go of course air jordans were out too man this was like uh 1989 1990 you know right at the right when he was starting all of his uh his sponsorships of these things you know being the spokesperson for nike and they had these lace locks that were on the shoes, you know, so you didn't have the time you, you thread the things through and they were like acrylic, man, they just looked amazing. Right. And I'm looking around, I see all these cool kids have these shoes and I'm looking down at my feet. And I'm like, I have pro wings. I don't know if you know what those are, but in the U S there's a store called Payless shoe source. <laughs> it's been around forever. Right. So, so while you remember we, the smell of it. <laughs> yeah, oh my god it was horrendous i remember this exactly you know because it the, and you know that's a whole nother discussion is like the quality of things and what you know literally the cliche you get what you pay for but yeah your feet stunk in these things and the pro wings you know but, but just looking around and seeing like all the cool kids had, had these flashy shoes you know air jordans just other nikes reebok pumps yeah and i'm looking out it's like oh man it's like this really like says what my class is in this world because I'm wearing pro wings. So I was pushing hard, man, pushing hard on my parents. Like I need Nikes. I need Nikes. I need Nikes. So they got me like the least expensive Nikes that could exist. And I remember trading, no joke, trading for these lace locks from for Air Jordans. It was like, I saved up, you know, five desserts for my lunch that I packed for, for a kid, and I traded them like five chocolate cupcakes or something for, for these lace locks. <laughs> so I had, now I had Nikes, I had Air Jordan lace locks and everything. I'm like, cool. Here's me. I've arrived. Now I'm a cool kid. And dude, the thing is, nothing changed. The grades didn't get any better. Absolutely. No, my grades didn't, didn't get, get any better. No, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like the the, the girls the didn't visual, come <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> wish I knew you at that time. You would have been like, dude, don't buy those. Just stick with the <laughs> stick with the pro wings right now. Let's build and make some real money. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean that lesson in life stuck with me. You know, and the, the the visualization while it matters to a certain extent because you can tell when somebody has their self kept together. But when you translate that to almost like a class. It's not going to matter for you because people can see right through it. And this is back full circle to authenticity that we were talking about. It's like those Nikes that I begged my parents for and those Air Jordan lace locks actually made me fake, more fake rather than being more authentic. Now, we, we call it uh, an extrinsic motivator.
1: And the problem with an extrinsic motivator, if you get a pair of Nikes and a new version comes out next week. Motivation's gone because now somebody's got a yeah. pair of shoes. Well, like or an iPhone. Yeah, I shouldn't show you mine. It's an iPhone 8. <laughs> That's how excited <laughs> I am about them. Um, well, you know, i, I got to show you my, my, um, my iPad. Uh, I was in Sydney one day and I was doing a presentation and um, I went to take my iPad out and it slipped out of the case and uh, I was in my mum's BMW and it fell oh, on yeah. the concrete. And it broke the screen, and I got so pissed I was so pissed off about it. Oh, the whole day just went terrible, so i got the um, I got the iPad, and I headbutted butted it I went because the screen was already cracked. I went "Oh fuck bang, and I headbutted it <laughs> i don 't know why, wow, but I was angry I was angry yeah, and um, I, I let the, I let the rage out on the iPad and it broke the screen, and uh, I refused to let it go so uh, it 's been sitting in my drawer for about. Uh, three years and I took it down the street the other day, I turned it on and it actually still worked and I took it down the street and they said it's going to be um, <laughs> I sound like Scrooge McDuck, and I took it down the street and they said it's going to be $800 to replace the glass and I'm like <laughs> $800, bucks? not even worth $800, bucks. I can get a new one for 1200 bucks. and I said just slap a uh, one of these plastic covers on so uh, it's right here as a reminder to me, uh, Daniel don't lose your cool <laughs> stay calm your <laughs> <laughs> and the ipad still works and you can see all your leads so uh, i have a campaign marketing campaign and this old broken ipad uh, the ipad pro just comes in and then i just see all the leads on it <laughs> and it's my little reminder
0: about controlling my emotions <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Do you do you have a lot of those things around you? I mean, we've because we've talked about watches for me as being like a reminder of of like a success and a milestone moment, you know. But even so, I mean, I broke it down and got all, and like even a glass of champagne is good, you know. What whatever, you know, or or if you you know, I remember really really early on in in my marriage that Valentine's days were spent at Taco Bell because we didn't have a lot of money either, you know. But the, that was you know, or get, or ordering some Chinese food, you know. We, we made do with what was there. Yeah, you know, so it can literally be anything. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But do you have those little reminders of these moments that are around you, like the cracked iPad? <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> and it's
1: it's my eleventh um, wedding anniversary tomorrow, and uh, literally, like in um seventy minutes from now, it's our wedding anniversary. And my wife and I were talking at dinner tonight about when we got married and every year we have the same conversation about when we got married because both of us have no idea of the date so it's normally three or four days after my mum will message me and say did you remember your wife's uh, wedding anniversary i said mum it would have been nice if you could send that three or four days earlier to, so you can remind me before it happens or our bridesmaids messages <laughs> you know for, for me uh, rick Now, I must have a little bit of alien DNA. Um, I've lived out of my country consistently since I was was age 22, so I'm 41 this year, so it's almost 19 years outside of the country. But um, what I've done with my life is I've just created some really, really amazing memories. And it's not that I uh, don't have some nice little tokens. Um, I do. I've got a couple of beautiful Louis Vuitton wallets in in my drawer as a little token. But um, I don't tend to have a lot of these tokens, and I think what's happening is with the choices that I've made over the years, uh, with you know improving my awareness and following through on my passions, every day uh, is a reminder that I'm living my dream. Uh, every day I get to yeah. coach and I get to impact lives, and that's a huge reward. My wife says to me, she says, Daniel, you need friends. And I said, I don't. She said, why don't you need friends? I said, because I podcast. (laughs) And she laughs at me and I say, I get to meet these incredible people all around the world every single day. So for me, where I'm at in my life at the moment, I really don't have a lot of those tokens because I don't tend to need those extrinsic things. Um, I'm a big advocate for intrinsic motivation to finding your strengths and to play to your strengths, to find your life's purpose and to make the sacrifices continually until you achieve your goals. And sometimes it's like me, Rick, I want to impact a million lives and um, people say, well, a million, that's a good number. And I said, yeah, it's going to take me my whole life. But the thing is my compass is pointed in my true north and I know that if I just keep going in that direction, I'll eventually get there. But because I'm on the journey, I'm on the right path, I get those dopamine hits every day. I get that serotonin. I get that adrenaline. So, I don't need anything external to reinforce it other than, like we talked about before, microphones. <laughs> I love microphones. Oh, my God, but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. Sure. I, I tell my wife, these aren't for
0: me. These are for business. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I've used that excuse so many times too. <laughs> yeah. uh, still works. So it's strange. out of a different bucket, you know? It's, it's,
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's I, awesome. I think, I think that's where I am. And, um, I, I love being a dad. And I think it sounds so cliche that, uh, you know, a lot of parents say that they love being a parent. However, yeah, um, I'm teaching my children what I know. So the other day I was so proud. I was, uh, our cases have gone up here on the island in Taiwan from like, uh, we're literally at four cases for COVID and it's just shot up to about 10,000. And um, we wow. booked a, a hotel stay next week. And my daughter, she said, I, I don't want to go. She's, she's nine and a half. She said, I'm a little bit concerned about COVID. And um, we said, look, it's a family trip. Let's go together. Me, you, uh, mum, and Caesar, uh, we'll go to the hotel. And she didn't really want to go. And she rang my wife uh, on Wednesday night and said, Mum, I'm at grandmother and grandfather's house. Uh, I don't really want to go to the hotel, but I also don't want to let you down. Now, that's a nine and a half saying, I don't want to let you down. So, I picked her up wow. from school yesterday and we're walking home. I said, baby, I said, Mum said that you were going to come to the hotel and the resort uh, with me and Caesar and Mum, but... You didn't really want to let the family down. I said, let me ask you, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you want to come with us or do you want to uh, stay at school and stay with her mother and grandfather? She said, Dad, uh, I'm the model student. Now, my daughter's been the model student three times. She's one of the highest uh, grade point averages in her class in a school. And she said, Dad, this is a nine-and-a-half-year-old. She said, you know, Dad, I'm the model student. I'm a role model to the other students in my class. And I don't think it's wise that I go and stay at a resort for three days because that's not what a role model does. A role model should be at school showing up doing their homework. That's incredible. And that came out of my daughter's mouth. And I looked at her and I said, so I'm going to support you. What do you want to do? She said, Dad, I want to be a good role model and I want to stay at school. (laughs) And so, you know, those types of things I I get to have every day and I love that and I think that's just so important to me where I'm at right now. Maybe in a couple of years it might change, but um, I just love that part about uh, being a dad, especially to mixed-race children. You know, I'm (laughs) Taiwan's 95% Taiwanese. There's very few expatriates here. They welcome me as a part of their community, but my kids, they look Aussie, they sound Aussie, but they think so differently. Because they got that culture of the, the Taiwanese and the Aussie in there. So, yeah, beautiful
0: part of life for them at, at the moment. For sure, man, that's heartfelt. That was a, absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm taking a look at, you know, what I have prepared for me here today. And I haven't even touched any of my questions that, I mean, it's just been an awesome conversation. I, I'd love to invite you back on and make this a part one of two yeah. And we could just publish these back to back because I want to get into uh, your scars that you have, you know, because I think there's some amazing stories there. I want to talk about your career, you know, especially your grandmother's spare bedroom, which we didn't even get into. Yet. <laughs> but It's just been, this is like a, a, a get to know Daniel day. <laughs> it's, it's been awesome that way. But yeah, I think we'll bring the fire on part two and just really go gung ho into some things in life. Sound good? 100% mate let's do it we've
1: got, um, we've got plenty of, we've got plenty of stories um, right I'll do on. a little preview on Friday the 13th October 1998 I uh, had a major accident
0: uh, and I uh, got some bigger scars and uh, I think that'll be a good conversation <laughs> that'll be wow. a very good all right then that's what we'll start part two so everyone listening that's going to be next week all right when you listen to this all right Thanks, Daniel. Everyone can find you at DanielTolson.com and at Daniel Danger Tolson. Danger's your middle name, baby. Yeah. Just like Austin Danger Powers. <laughs> love it. <laughs> awesome, brother.